Coming up on Golf Today, we open up the file of the defending champ and newly blonde Brooks Kepka state of his game, his body, and his outlook for 2022 after a meh 2021. And Jordan Spieth then versus Jordan Spieth now. We look back on the comeback that started in Phoenix last year. Is the golden child all the way back to the height of his power or still on the climb? And Fowler in Phoenix. He's lived a lifetime at this tournament alone. Smiles, tears, a big win, a crushing loss. We take a long look at Ricky's ups and downs right here on Golf Today. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. A live look at a party that is unfolding little by little, day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute by minute by minute, <laughs> to quote the Doobie Brothers. Oh, yes, the one and only TPC Scottsdale home of the WM Phoenix Open and our home at Golf Channel all week long. Welcome to our perch above the 16th hole. Damon Hack alongside Rex Hoggard once again. We were talking before the show. The young players on tour, I think, have lifted this event up. It's no longer taboo to embrace the madness here in Phoenix. Well, and as I think as you pointed out, the younger players probably enjoy this. I mean, again, I don't think anybody warns it on a week-in and week-out basis. I've been told that numerous times by players, but you're right. I think the younger generation enjoys coming here, being part of the crowd. It was great this morning. I had a chance to catch up with Chance Cosby, who's the executive director of the Thunderbirds that runs this event, and he reminded me that they weren't at full strength last year as far as the fans go because of the pandemic and COVID-19. 5,000 a day is all they allowed in. Mm. Put that in context, there'll be 20,000 just around <laughs> this one hole come the next few days. So you get an idea of how cool this is going to be. I cannot wait. And one player who has embraced the madness throughout his career is Brooks Kepka. He's the defending champ. He got his first PGA Tour win here in 2015, seven years ago. So why don't we open up the Kepka file and look back? I mean, he was a relative unknown at this point, Rex. You said he's blonde. Are we sure he's still blonde? We're going to find out. Yep. Wasn't blonde back then. Nope. But he was a PGA Tour winner, able to get it done. We didn't know that much about him. Knew we kind of taken the long path to the PGA Tour, got his professional career started playing overseas. But we started to learn a lot more about him two years later, his first major championship at Aaron Hills, the U.S. Open. Such a gutsy performance, and it really set the stage for what would define him as a player. He's a major championship guy. He loves being in that arena. Go back to Phoenix. I think it's something about the arena here that he just feeds off of. Look at the crowds here in 2018. Again, he just loves being in the heat of that moment with all of those people looking at him. Joining the likes of Curtis Strange and Ben Hogan as becoming a back-to-back -back U.S. Open champion. 2018, St. Louis living and dying with every shot Tiger Woods was hitting, and Brooks Kepka said, no, the Wanamaker is mine. And Tiger right there in the mix, as you pointed out. The crowds that week, again, there's a theme here. Yeah, absolutely. The CJ Cup 2018 becoming the number one player in the world thanks to a four-shot win overseas and how appropriate for a player who got his career started overseas kind of bouncing hither and yon and learning about what it takes to be a global player really good point and i think that made him a complete player as well mm, in 2019 gets another major championship told us before the week at beth page black yeah the majors are the easiest to win some guys will choke and i'm better than the rest of them and he absolutely backed it up I think the best thing when it, it comes to Brooks, and look, it rubs people the wrong way, but I don't think Tiger or any other top player was any different. They wanted to perform that one week. They did everything they could in their schedule to make sure they peaked. He just says the quiet thing out loud. Yeah, he sure does. 2019, he won his first 
WGC event. And then, of course, last year at the Waste Management, not talking about him at all at the WM Phoenix Open until the 17th hole holds out this pitch shot from 32 yards away. We're going to get into the 17th hole later in the show, but that's an example of why it's such a great hole. Absolutely. Goes on to get the victories. Only victory of 2021. Made the par putt at the 18th hole, and there he is for a second time, a winner of the WM Phoenix Open. But that's not been the whole story in the Brooks Kepka file. Injuries have been part and parcel as well. This tweet from a year ago, only one way to go from here after knee surgery. And these are going to start piling up after a while. And you start seeing situations like this. And he's an athlete. He's talked about it before. We have seen him at his absolute best. But there is a cost to that. And I think that's injuries like this. Yeah, and that cost, I think, was felt at the Masters. He talked about the rehab. It's seven, eight hours a day just to play. He ends up missing the cut. Couldn't, you know, read greens properly, as you see. Completely out of his rhythm and the way you go about trying to compete for a major championship. I remember talking to his caddy, Ricky Elliott, on Wednesday of that week, and he said, if I can just get him around this golf course, he has a chance to win. Yeah, and then the Tour Championship. Going to end up hitting a root here. This was the third round. A strong player who takes on shots, and this one, you know, again, his body paying the price. And in this particular case, and we're going to get into a larger discussion about where the game is at the moment as far as physical endurance and strength and the impact that has on your body, this was just unlucky. This has nothing to do with what he's trying to do with his body or in the weight room. Yeah, he had to take a cart ride off the golf course, having to withdraw. Then he gets back to the U.S. Ryder Cup team, and he's a big part of the celebration. We saw in the kind of the preamble, the back and forth with himself and Bryson DeChambeau at the end it was a 19-9 route for the United States, and he was a part of it. He was a part of it, and I think those two created a, a moment in golf last year on the final day when they seemed to hug it out. I, I don't know how genuine that was, but we all appreciated it. We did, and this is a player who has big expectations. You look at the rest of his 2021 after that win at the W Phoenix Open, zero wins, couple runner-up finishes outplayed by Phil Mickelson at the PGA Championship. And look at the missed cuts in WD, starting to pile up a little bit for a player who we've sometimes criticized for his lack of focus outside of the major championships. And I'll go to the last four events that he's essentially played, and I'm talking about official events, not counting the Hero World Challenge. But he has three missed cuts, and he finished tied for 28th in Maui, where only a 38-player field. No so cut event, yes. No cut event. And I think that there is an issue here. We're going to talk about this all the time when it comes to Brooks, simply because he has had so many injuries. He's had so many issues with his body. I'm not going to panic on this one, simply because I'm only going to be concerned about Brooks when we get to April and he has some sort of problem. We can go through last year, and there's a lot of things to point out that is concerning, but look at the way he played the major championships. Tied for second at the PGA Championship. Tied for fourth at the U.S. Open. Tied for sixth at the Open Championship. These are what matter. And so, again, some people don't like it, but when it comes to him and it comes to Brooks, how he feels about the game and how he wants to focus on the game, it's only about the Grand Slam events. And he's not going to get too upset if he shows up at an event like this and doesn't play particularly his best. The way he has presented himself uh, as a major championship killer, he has eight PGA Tour wins. Four of those are major championships. He's hung out with the likes of Giannis Antetokounmpo in the NBA and picked the brain of Peyton Manning, one of the best quarterbacks of all time. I think that's part and parcel of how he likes to present himself as the toughest dude on the property. He has told us that double-digit majors 
are possible. He has told us that Tigers 15 and Jacks 18 are possible. But I think it's about time for him to get back on the major championship train, considering what happened to him last year, coming close as he was. Do you think it was more about injuries, or is there a problem that we're seeing with Brooks on Sundays? Because he's talked tough and of late has not been able to back it up. I think it's injuries. You can't ignore that because it doesn't allow him to do the things that he wants to do. I mean, okay. he makes the game look easy sometimes, but there are things that he has to do to prepare for those moments. Mm -hmm. And you can point to those Sundays last year at the major championships, specifically the PGA Championship, when he got outplayed, as you pointed out, by Phil Mickelson. You can point to those moments and start questioning. I would still argue that if you looked at those four, uh, three finishes that I just rolled yep. to, he gave himself an opportunity in three of the four majors last year. Tiger Woods would be the first to tell you that's all you can really do. Give yourself a chance on a Sunday and see if you can get it done. You're not going to do it every time. To answer your question, yes, I think double-digit majors is within the realm of possibility. Yep. When you start talking about Jack and Tiger, that's a different conversation. But only, and a huge qualifier here, only if he's healthy. And it is starting to become a concern. In a way, he has become the conscious in some ways on the game of golf at the highest level. Not afraid to take on Phil Mickelson, to openly detest Bryson to take on anyone. or, you know, Dustin Johnson. I mean, he has put himself out there. And, and when you put yourself out there, and when you are the bully uh, of the PGA Tour, which I think is a role he embraces, I, I think you, you make yourself vulnerable. You make yourself a target. And I think the longer he goes without a major championship after telling us that they are the easiest to win and putting out there, you know, saying the, the quiet part out loud, as you saying, that other guys will choke and I'm better than everybody else. Well, you better get back on the train quickly and you better get healthy quickly because no one's going to feel sorry for Brooks Kepka if his knee starts to bother him and if his wrist keeps hurting him. And he's not earned that benefit of the doubt. As I okay. said, he, the quiet thing out loud didn't sit well with a lot of players because those four events are very important to golf. But if you're a PGA Tour player, so are the other 44 events. You're going to look at those as in, if I win this week, this is a career maker for me. Yeah. It did not sit well with a lot of the membership. And we've seen it in the Player of the Year vote. We've seen it before, how the reaction to this is going to play out. And in this particular case, you're right. He does probably need to step up and win another one. But my level of concern, this is what he does. Yeah, this is what he does. I think he's the most mentally tough player since Tiger Woods, the way he embraces the most difficult setups on the PGA Tour. And those, of course, are the major championships. It's a big part of this field this week in Phoenix. And the field, by the way, Rex, it's fantastic. Yeah. Three of the top four players in the world. John Rahm, who went to Arizona State, is in this field. Victor Hovland winning around the world. Patrick Cantlay in the mix for a big part of Sunday at Pebble Beach. Six of the top ten. 15 of the top 20 in the world. Every winner of this event since 2015 is present. It'll be a lot of fun this week, as you know, at the WM Phoenix Open. Now, Bryson DeChambeau not in the field this week. After that 73 at the Saudi International, DeChambeau had to withdraw from the event before the second round, siding left hand and hip injuries. His second WD of the year. And then folks are starting to get concerned and saying, what's wrong with this man who has changed his body, Rex, who is posting videos in the gym, doing curls, doing things that you see, you know, the Mr. Olympias of the planet do. Very proud of the fact that he changed his body and kept winning on the PGA Tour and won his first major championship and wait for it. So he's telling everybody, hey, everybody needs to chill. I hurt myself, but not from hitting it far. I slipped and fell this week on Tuesday, unfortunately. I know people probably won't believe me, but that is the truth. I'll be back stronger and better than ever in a few weeks. Thank you for the hospitality, Saudi. Thank you for your concerns. And keep hitting bombs. 
exclamation point, exclamation point. I will be back. Your thought on Bryson DeChambeau and the injuries that are cropping up for this young man. Two things right out of the gate. One, people on social media don't chill, so I'm not quite sure where he was going with that. That's simply not something that's done on social media. And the other thing is there's nothing wrong with being injured as a professional athlete. This happens to every professional athlete, certainly golfers, throughout the course of a long career. So the idea that somehow he feels like he's boxed into a corner and he needs to lash out at the public, that just seems ridiculous to me. Look, you were injured and you just need to move on. Now, as far as him making the conversation about, oh, I slipped last week at the Saudi International, and that's what it's about, I, I question that a little bit. This goes back to he withdrew from the Sony Open, citing right. soreness in his left wrist. We just saw the highlights from Torrey Pines where he's grabbing his back, he's grabbing his wrist. There is clearly multiple health issues going on here. And we've talked about this a lot when it comes to Bryson DeChambeau because of the way he's trying to reinvent the game, because of the way he reinvented his body by putting on 40 pounds and everything else that he did over the course of his career. We've always said that we need to see how this is going to play out over the course of a career. What's he going to look like 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now? Is he going to be able to maintain this? The problem now is I think it's more immediate. Now we need to ask, oh, no, is this an issue that's going to come up now and he's going to struggle with this throughout the entirety of his career? And that's concerning because we've seen so many great players get sidelined by back injuries. Yeah. I had a conversation yesterday with Tim Clark. I don't know yeah. if you remember Tim yeah, Clark. Sure. Just a wonderful player on the PGA Tour, and he was sidelined completely by a back injury. Couldn't come back and play. He was telling me he still can't really play golf, but he sort of described how he can see it in certain players' swings that they're going to have issues. And he went back to Bryson DeChambeau's swing. And I think a lot of people looked at that and thought there's going to be issues there. The fact we're seeing it now, yes, there is a level of concern. You know, professional golf is an interesting space with pro sports in general, I think. We try to, you know, make these golfers, you know, kind of look like the rest of the athletes on the scene. And you have, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo standing side by side with Kepka, And Steph Curry is a big golfer. And Brian Urlacher, you know, one of the great middle linebackers of all time, is a golfer. And so we're seeing these golfers change their bodies and hit the ball a long way. And, and I think it's fair to wonder, in both Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau's case, Will the work they put in the gym, and we saw it with Tiger as well, is it going to be sustainable, as you said, for the long term? Or is it a body like Dustin Johnson that's more you know, live and limber? Or a Phil Mickelson who does more stretching? I mean, it's, it's been fun to watch Bryson do what he did at API and take on a par 5-6 in a way that we haven't seen. But you have to wonder, with both these Brahma Bulls spending the time that they do in the gym, if it's sustainable in this sport. You know, we make fun of him and say, oh, this guy looks like a middle linebacker or he could play, you know, center for the San Antonio Spurs. Of course he could not. But I do think that in professional golf, in, in all of us, in the media and fans, maybe we're all to blame a little bit trying to kind of compare these guys who go about their business in a different way than Giannis Antetokounmpo and Usain Bolt. And we've talked to enough trainers on the PGA Tour. We know they will tell you there is a difference between strength and functional strength, which you want out of a PGA Tour player. I remember having this conversation with Roy McIlroy a few years ago, and it was when he was being criticized for some of the things he was doing in the gym. And once you sit down and you ask him what he's doing, yeah. he explained to me that when I was younger, I had back issues. So these are the things I have to do to keep that from flaring back up again. That's functional strength. Yeah. That's how you get a long career. I'm not 100% sure whatever it is Bryson is doing right now in the gym. Again, packing on 40 pounds 
seems unnatural. Seems un unsustainable. Yeah. I talked to Chris Como, uh, one of his coaches, uh, about the swing changes that they were making as he was putting on weight. And one thing Chris said relating to his swing, that it was all about making sure that they put the acorns down on the path so they could find their way home should he get in, in trouble with his golf swing. But in terms of pushing the envelope with his body, I mean, they're doing things that we just haven't seen in this game. They are, we all know, reaching speeds ball speeds, swing speeds that we have not seen in this game. So we just don't know, despite all their best intentions and the research that they're doing, we haven't seen anyone reach the numbers that he is. Therefore, we don't know how sustainable Bryson's work is for the long haul. And I don't know that, I mean, I think we had this conversation off camera yesterday. I don't know if there's another player in the game right now who is such a draw. And for yeah. all kinds of reasons, sometimes for the wrong reasons last year, whatever was going on between he and Brooks. But when he's on the golf course, and I've seen this over the last few seasons, he has a tiger-like pull yeah. to the gallery. They want to be there. They want to see him. And when you see a situation where at his age, after everything he's trying to do, reinvent himself and his body, I don't think chill's the right thing to do right yeah. now. Yeah, Fred Couples could always, you know, ask Tom Watson or, or Raymond Floyd for, for questions about uh, the intricacies of Augusta National. I mean, who does Bryson DeChambeau turn to as far as someone who's put on 40 pounds of muscle and reached 200 uh, north of 200 mile per hour ball speed? There's no one else doing what he's done, maybe outside of the world long drive game. And I know he's consulted some of those guys, but that's a different sport than a 72-hole PGA Tour event where the questions are different than the Tim Burks and Maurice Allens are facing. And again, every trainer is going to tell you the reason we're training and the reason we're in the gym is to avoid injury. Yeah. We don't want to bring injury into play, and I'm afraid that's what he has done. Well, you said it, Bryson, good for the game, and hopefully on his way back to good health, and hopefully we see him out here on the PGA Tour very, very soon. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help Dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power Dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. And we are back at the rowdiest place in golf, the 16th hole, par 3, TPC. Scottsdale, y'all gonna make me lose my mind up in here. <laughs> up in here. And it's just Tuesday. Can you believe it, Rex? Would that be your walk-up song? That would be my walk-up song. And, uh, then, I, and then I'd hit into a bunker. Or no, you'd hit it just like that right there. <laughs> and it's yeah. two inches. In my dreams. How you doing? At least having a lot of fun. Speaking of dreams, you know, Monday qualifiers. They're dreaming of big things. Handful of guys making their way into Thursday. You got Ben Silverman, Corn Ferry, Tour winner. How about Jeffrey Kang? 
that survived like a 10-hole playoff. Winner at the PJ Tour Series, China, Etienne Papineau competed in the McKenzie Tour event in 2018, played college golf at West Virginia. The Mountaineers, I believe, is the mascot. Speaking of McKenzie's, what time for numbers we need to know. We're going to welcome in Paige McKenzie. Before we get to some numbers, the most important number might be 2 slash 8. That's Paige's birthday. That's today. Happy birthday, Paige McKenzie. Thank you. And thank you for leaving off the year. I appreciate that. It's just 2-8. At this age, uh, we just <laughs> celebrate the day, not the date. <laughs> All right. Happy birthday, Forever 25, our own Paige. 25. <laughs> All right, Paige, let's get into some numbers. What are some numbers we need to know in terms of, like, past strong performers here at TPC Scottsdale? The big number is the number six, and that relates to the number of players that have only or finished better than 20th in every single time they play that in this uh, WM Open, and that includes six players. Uh, strong performances by Matthew Neesmith last year is one and only time, but there's a, a handful of players that have finished in the top 20 multiple times. Brendan, Brandon Grace, uh, both of his were top 10 finishes. Louis Oosthuizen has only played twice, and both of his were top 20s. Nate Lashley, and I like this name. Keep this in mind, guys. There's a points bet logo on your desk, so I can't help but think he might be a good one for a top 20 play this week, coming off 28th. He played college golf at University of Arizona, so familiar with some desert golf. And the last two names, huge performances here. Uh, Xander Shoffley never finished outside the top 20 in four performances. And John Rahm, impressive. In the six times he's played here, all inside the top 16, including that tied for fifth finish when he played here as an amateur. So the ASU alum in John Rahm, is it finally going to be his time to play well at home? It might be this mm. week. Paige crunching the numbers. All right, Paige, what numbers do we need to know uh, about the first round here at TPC Scottsdale? The number 67. So when you look at some of the notable best first round scoring averages, Xander Shoffley sits at the top of the list. And maybe it should be no surprise considering the record here. Uh, but that's an extraordinary first round scoring average on this par 71. Uh, a lot of strong names and some surprises. Again, if you're looking for prop betting, there's some good names up there as well. All right, Paige, who from this list catches your eye? Because I like them all. Uh, yeah, well, I'm keeping an eye on Hideki Matsuyama and Bubba Watson. Hideki, of course, having won two of his last four PGA Tour starts and a two-time winner at this event, you've got to think of him as one of the favorites coming into this week. Additionally, Bubba Watson has played this event 15 times. I find that first-round scoring average to be exceptional considering the, just the sheer number of times that he's played it. Never won, but a former Scottsdale resident clearly familiar with the desert and coming off of that second-place finish in Saudi Arabia, he might be someone that's sneaking in a little bit under the radar this week. All right. What number do we need to know as far as the world ranking are concerned from past champions of this event? <laughs> okay, so the three... Past, the most recent three past champions had the average world rank of 12.67. So I decided to take a look at where that ranks in the current world ranking. 
and it happens to slide right between Louis Oosthuizen and Jordan Spieth. Two players to keep your eye on. Obviously, Jordan Spieth coming into this week with good form, but Louis Oosthuizen also making his first start of this calendar year. The last time we saw him was at the RSM Classic in the fall where he withdrew due to a back injury. So excited to see him back, uh, back playing on the PGA Tour as well as the fact that we, as I mentioned, uh, has had two finishes inside the top 20 in the two times that he's played in this event. So maybe a good soft start for him in a place that he likes. Love that number right between Louie and, and Jordan Speed. Jordan, Jordan Speed, those are two, uh, two major champs. Great stuff, Paige. Thank you, especially working on your birthday. I, I, I'm, I'm happy to have you, but man, you know, take the rest of the day <laughs> off. Go, go have some fun, Paige. Thanks for the time. Happy birthday. Will do. Thanks, All guys. Right. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help Dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power Dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Coming up on Golf Today, new father, endlessly popular, Ricky Fowler back at one of his favorite places in golf. But how close is he to winning again? And what should we say on the short par four 17th? Is it the best hole at TPC Scottsdale? Is it the best short par four in golf? Let's take a closer look at the ultimate risk reward. And from Tom Abbott to Todd Lewis, we get a report from Beijing and the Winter Olympics. We'll see if T. Lou mentions the word golf once in his report. I'll put it at 50-50. Let's have some fun on Golf Today. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. Live look, TPC Scottsdale opened in 1986, quickly became a place to hang, warm days, cold beer, Sky Harbor Airport packed with folks coming in to play golf and maybe watch some golf, hug some players, maybe give them a little grief as well, especially the par 316th, our home all week long on Golf Today, Golf Central, Golf Channel. Damon Hack with Jaime Diaz, Rex Hogger, two of the best in the business. How about this place? The field is strong. This place has grown for being kind of a, a sleepy little par three, and now it's just pure madness. And you know, it's a good win. There's certain plateaus that certain wins have, and, you know, they're all great, of course, and they all give you the same exemptions and all those things, but there's prestigious wins, and, you know, mm. some of it's, connected to like Jack Nicklaus or Byron Nelson. And this place now, I think, beyond just being this exciting place that's a great party week, it's also a great test of golf. And I think 
the, the winners here take something from it. Like, I can really hang in the big time because this is big time pressure with all these fans. Mm. And the golf course tests you in a very, you know, novel and really interesting ways, as we'll talk about with 17th hole. Arnold Palmer, Gene Littler, and Mark Kalkovecki are the only three-time winners of this event. Your thoughts on the WM Phoenix Open. I mean, to Jaime's point, the field is so good now. I mean, yeah. there was a time not that long ago when they probably struggled to get a good field here. And I, we talked about it at the top of the show about how the younger players have just embraced this. And you see it. I mean, the Justin Thompsons, the uh, Xander Schauffele's, all the top players want to be here. They want to enjoy the environment. And specifically, this arena, 16, 17, and 18, it's yeah. such a good setting. Yeah, PGA Tour seems to be skewing younger. So this seems to be the perfect place for some of the best players in the world to do their thing. This week, we've been talking a lot about the strength of field. Three of the top four players in the world, including the number one player in John Rahm, who went to school just down the road at Arizona State. You got Victor Hovland, Patrick Cantlay, another Pac-12 kid, a UCLA Bruin, I've been told. Six of the top 10, 15 of the top 20, and every winner of this event since 2015 is present. For more on the strength of field, we turn to Steve Burkowski, who's about a, a lob wedge away from us here at 16. Yeah, not too far down this uh, 16th hole on one of the tee boxes. And you talk about the strength of field, Damon. Let's start with the, the defending champion, that is Brooks Kepka, who's ranked 20th in the official World Golf ranking. This place was the site of his very first PGA Tour victory in 2015 and the site of his most recent a year ago. Hard to imagine that Brooks Kepka, his last top 10 finish on the PGA Tour, that was last summer at the Open Championship as he's going to give it a go on the PGA Tour for just the third time in 2022. But I'm going to go back to a conversation I had with Brooks uh, on Kapalua last month at the Century Tournament of Champions when we seemingly always ask about his health, how he feels. He said his body is as good as it has been over the past couple of years. But what struck me about that was he said, I can't practice as hard or maybe as long as I used to. So I find different ways to fine tune his game. And I said, what were some of the ways he improved away from the golf course? And he said that his golf IQ had vastly improved. He said he had a better understanding of his swing club playing, not to get too technical. But he said some of that downtime away from pounding golf balls, he made the space upstairs a little bit smarter. So something to keep an eye on in 2022, Damon. I think it is a very intriguing year for Brooks Kepka, an eight-time PGA Tour winner, a four-time major champ. If the body is there for Brooks and that golf IQ has improved, could be big things ahead in the next 12 months. Speaking of golf IQs, I mean, Jordan Spieth, the best of the best in terms of how he thinks his way around a golf course. He's a one-man box office blockbuster. What should we look for this week in a guy who shot 61 here last year and took our breath away last week at Pebble? Yeah, everything goes back to a year ago for me. When you look at Jordan Spieth entering this tournament a year ago, he was 92nd in the world golf ranking. There were so many questions about will we see the Jordan Spieth we saw maybe in 2015. And then he made a run here and rattled off four straight top 15 finishes on the PGA Tour before getting back into the winner's circle at the Valero Texas Open. And then you just touched on it. He was in the mix again at Pebble Beach. What a difference a year makes for Jordan Spieth, now 13th in the world golf ranking. But when we see him ascend to certain places again in major championships, well, that remains to be seen. But I think a lot of us circle the weekend here at TPC Scottsdale a year ago, at least from the outside looking in of Jordan Spieth getting back to where so many people want to see him. He's such a fan favorite. So what a 12 months it has been for Spieth. 
almost a winner at Pebble Beach a couple of days ago. I think a lot of eyes will be on him this week to see if he can continue that trend moving forward. Yeah, one year ago this week, Jordan Spieth got his groove back, especially with that Saturday 61. Steve Burkowski with us all week here in Phoenix. Another crowd favorite, of course, Ricky Fowler. How about Ricky through the years in Phoenix? Got a sponsor's invite. 2009 Rex, he was a sophomore at Oklahoma State. We just showed the picture of the crowd and wearing the Ricky Fowler attire. I mean, he has been a fan favorite here since really 2009. Showed up as an amateur, everyone loved him. Rocking the orange, he missed the cut. 2016, two-shot lead with two holes to play. Tee shot at 17. We're gonna talk a lot about this hole, and here's why. It's one of the most compelling holes on the PGA Tour. I believe Jaime Diaz called it the best short part mm. on tour. Yeah, this was such a tough moment know? for him. He had a great golf shot by almost all Analysis just too much club had to re-tee it again. Getting his provisional. Gonna go into the water again. Goes on to lose the tournament in a four-hole playoff with Hideki. Emotional, heartbroken. So much family was in attendance. The hard part is having, you know, all my friends and family and um, grandpa and my dad who haven't seen me win. So, but I'll be able to kind of hang with them tonight. So I'll be all right, but with how good I'm playing, I know I can win, so that's the hard part. Raw, honest, emotional. About 2019, another chance at redemption. The par four 11th, this was just more oddball and strange than anything. It really was strange, and it took them a while to figure out this. Ball goes in the water, has to take a drop, and I remember dropping it on the down slope, ultimately have to place it. He's falling back into the water. I mean, this was just wild. And I mean, Ricky gets a lot of pressure, a lot, a lot of eyeballs on him because of how commercially successful he was. And people are basically at this point saying, oh, here he goes again. And you look at his history at this event, and I was taken by the idea that it's a micro, microcosm of the ebbs and flows of his career. He's had some great moments here and then some not so great moments. Yeah, he finally gets it in play, goes on to make a triple bogey, but more importantly, goes on to win the golf tournament. Final round, score to par was three over, highest in tournament history. But I tell you what, after the close call in 2016, his family was here, he was in tears afterwards, and to have that moment, uh, we thought there'd be many more after that. A lot of people did. Instead, he has not won on the PGA Tour since then. You look at his career, at the WM Phoenix Open, you see the one victory in 2019, the runner-up finishes in 2010, in 2016, but four top 10 finishes, three missed cuts. I mean, he grew up east of Los Angeles, kind of a similar climate. He's familiar with the golf course and the grasses and obviously the vibe here with, you know, skewing young, the crowd. He's obviously a, foul, a crowd favorite, but I guess where is he right now, Jaime Diaz? Because we've been talking about it for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. I thought he did a fantastic interview with Steve Burkowski last year mm -hmm. at the Arnold Palmer Invitational saying, I'm taking my, my bad work home with me. Yeah, you know, uh, Ricky made a decision after 2019 and during 2019 in the fall that, you know, he had kind of topped out in his mind anyway with his golf swing as far as the ability to get better. He thought he was stalled a little bit. So he went to John Tillery 
left Butch Harmon, which, of course, got a lot of attention, mm. put a lot of pressure on John Tillery and Ricky Fowler. And he's changed his swing from a, a handsier one that was really, you know, kind of fun to watch and stuff, but not necessarily textbook, to a more rotational golf swing that actually, as he's gotten better with it, he's gotten longer, he's gotten stronger. He's 12th in driving distance this year with three th 313 yards. That's the longest of his career. So Ricky has got more potential, more upside in this golf swing, but controlling it and controlling distance with his irons and all those things have not come quickly. And then his putting has fallen down. I mean, he was 201st uh, at the moment. Say that again. Yeah, 201st. Ricky uh, Fowler, yeah. who I say has the best putting stroke in the game, <laughs> 201st in stroke. That's, that's outside of, of exempt status on the PGA. It just shows, you know, the graceful putting stroke. It's still, it's still a mental game, and it's still a really precise moment mm. there when you hit the putt. He was first in 2016. Yeah. So, you know, that's what they're waiting for now to come back because his golf swing has gotten better. Probably all that attention to his golf swing took the dis took the uh, attention away that is needed all the time to sharpen it and keep the the putting stroke and the short game going. So Ricky's in between right now, but I think he's committed, and I think he did very well to CJ. He shot 71 in the last round to finish T3. He was right there in the lead. Uh, that was a good test. But I think, you know, baby steps because uh, he's not in a different place than Jordan Spieth was when he was 92nd in the world and looked very hopeless. Mm. But it's not hopeless. He's just going to stick to it. I think Ricky made a decision that is long-term, the long game, you know, maybe win a major, maybe win something really significant. He had finished, you know, uh, top five, all four majors in 2015, yeah. but never really improved from that. So I just feel he needs himself to feel, I want to be fulfilled that I got everything out of my career, and this is the risky but I think justifiable step he's taken. I caught up with John Tillery this morning, and he echoed mm -hmm. what you said. And he also echoed what Ricky had told me just a few weeks ago at the American Express. And Ricky kind of explained it that they finally reached the point that they were speaking the same language as far as the swing is concerned, that throughout the early part of their relationship, they were kind of talking about different things, and it was, they were having a hard time matching that up. They feel like they're in a spot now where you, you, you hit on it. They're in between swings still certain times when the pressure is hard, but he's feeling better. We certainly saw that late last year at the CJ Cup when he was driving the ball better. John said he's to the point now where he's swinging more aggressively. They're seeing more ball speed, and that means he's starting to feel more comfortable with it, and they're coming out. And then you touched on the important one, 201st yeah. on the PGA Tour. Ricky said it at American Express. Like, look, it's not about the swing anymore. I just need to start making putts. And that's what he does best, and he simply hasn't been doing it. Spoke to him at the PGA, and, and he got that sponsor's exemption into yeah. that uh, great championship. And he said that he just needs to see the ball go in the hole a little bit more. And, and I love the Jordan Spieth comparison, but Jordan Spieth had three major championships, and I almost feel like he had the benefit of the doubt a little bit more with us and the public. I mean, both Spieth and Fowler, you know, they're commercially successful outside the ropes as well. But for Ricky Fowler, who's on every commercial and who hasn't accomplished what Jordan Spieth has, I imagine it's a little bit harder mm. because he's on social media yeah. because he's so visible he can't go through these swing changes and this trying to gain confidence in silence and and jordan spieth went through it after every round we're there sheepishly asking you know where's your confidence level what's going on and it's the same thing with ricky fowler but i imagine it's even harder because yeah. he's so commercially successful but he doesn't have the resume of exactly yeah he's accused of oh you're not focused on golf you're looking to make money which I don't think is anywhere near the truth. Right, right. However, it's the easy it's the easy shot to take. Yeah. And he wants, of course, to stop that by winning, and that puts more pressure because yeah. you want to you want to prove everybody wrong. There's jealousy there. Yeah. I imagine for for a player who's so commercially successful, 
handsome guy, beautiful family, as they say. I mean, there's a lot going on there, and I think that he's had to – I think he feels that. I think he's more sensitive maybe than, than people know. We saw it. Uh, of course, yeah. we lost this great tournament back in 2016, so I think it's been harder for him. And when I spoke to him at the, at the PGA Championship, and I said, man, you, you got the – the best putting stroke in the game. I mean, he was like, he was like, thank you. Like, he he knows <laughs> he knows the discussions that are going on right now. And it's got to be hard to try to improve in broad daylight with everybody kind of poking at you. He's under a microscope. And look, if you look at this, 90% of the guys on the PGA Tour can go through a similar swing change. And we're not going to sit here and talk about it every single day. Ricky is different, as you guys pointed out. We are going to focus in on that, and it's going to create more pressure, and it's just going to become more and more difficult. I will say this: talking with him at the American Express just a few weeks ago, he was more relaxed and happy. Mm. Of course, she's a new father. Yep. And there's a different dynamic now at home for him, and I think that's going to bring a different dynamic to him to the golf course. Yeah. does have the backing of his, of his good friends Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth yeah. told me yeah. years ago. This and guy, Tiger. And Tiger. He said, Ricky's going to be fine. Ricky's going to win major championships, multiple major championships, and that was a few years ago. That was before this abyss, but maybe he starts to work his way back this week at a venue that he loves so much. He's a balanced guy. Yeah. You know, obviously this is tough. You're in, you know, the arena in sports is always difficult mentally when everybody is 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 got an idea about you, and yeah. he's a sensitive guy too. But I think that strength of character is going to carry him through right mm. here. Uh, he doesn't look to me like a guy who's panicking. Yeah. Uh, and you know the thing is, he never had tremendous success as a junior and as a college player. You know, I think we project greater things for Ricky because he's so likable right. and people want it for him. Yeah. But actually, he's on his own race right now. And, you know, it's it's not been a world-beater race all along. It's been something of potential. And he wants to get the most out of it. And I applaud that. Also knows that men like Justin Rose and Phil Mickelson and Adam Scott didn't win major championships until their 30s as well. on golf today from standard bear at age 10 to now playing in the wm phoenix open arizona state freshman preston summer hayes will tee it up this week at tpc scottsdale after receiving a sponsor's exemption the 2019 u.s junior amateur champ found out about his exemption into the field last month and his father and swing coach of tony finau boyd summer hayes caught the 19 year old's reaction on camera take a listen Go! <laughs> It teared up, I heard. Yeah. Oh, I'm proud of you, buddy. That's awesome. That's Way to go. <laughs> Gonna play in the waste management. That's like a major to you. Yeah. I was telling them, I think, when I was putting our memorabilia case up last night, one of your keepsake is your first hat from being a standard bear. Yeah. I think you were 10, 11, when you did it first. You in shock? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. That's awesome. Try not to cry. That's all right. You can cry. Love you, buddy. Congrats. Let's go. See, man, you pumped? Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Let's get you standard bearing in that group. <laughs> Let's go, baby. Proud of you. You deserve it. Yeah. I want to talk about a family that loves this game. How about some other teen flicks? I mean, Tiger, Tiger Woods, 1992 at Riviera. This was not the official Hello World moment, but it feels like it should have been. It was in L.A. Yeah, Jim Hill, the great sportscaster, was there. Teddy Sobel was there as well. Of course, Tiger missed the cut that week. Didn't miss many cuts 
in his career. 2001 PJ Tour Q School tie try on bogey free 66 on the last day of Q School. Earned his tour card at 17. Then of course 2004 the teen phenom Michelle Wee, a sponsor's exemption at 14. This felt like a moment in golf. I think everyone stopped, paused. Whatever it is you were doing, you wanted to pay attention to this, and it was very special. Yeah, the big easy playing alongside the big wheezy as she came to be known, of course, won a major championship, the U.S. Women's Open. Piners number two. How about 2009, a major champ future? Rory McIlroy, curly hair, don't care. <laughs> it felt impressive, I think, for those of us, you and I, who carry notebooks for a living. We saw a breath of fresh air and was looking forward to what he became. Yeah, he has not disappointed. How about Lexi Thompson, 2011, as a 16-year-old, the youngest winner in LPGA history, but that uh, record didn't last all that long. It did not, but the power and poise that she had it from such a young age, you had to pay attention. Yeah, and this is why the record didn't last all that long. 2012 Canadian Women's Open, Lydia Ko, Wins as a 15-year-old amateur, beating NB Park by three shots. Of course, she's an Olympic silver medalist, Olympic bronze medalist. She won the Game Bridge a couple weeks ago. Yeah, Lydia Ko has given us a lot to smile about through the years.